friend and colleague in the marketing business, Mylan Calvin here with me today from McMedia Digital Marketing. And I am really excited to share. She is like the queen of processes and she's just got like a very systematic and strategic way she approaches marketing that I really respect. So Mylan, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So for those who don't know you, why don't you give us just a little bit of an overview of kind of what your specialty is and um, how you help people on a day-to-day basis? Sure. Um, well, again, my name is Mylan Calvin. I am agency owner of a digital marketing agency called McMedia Digital Marketing. And I started actually 13 years ago, um, just focusing on social media back when all you had to worry about was Facebook pages. And since then, the industry, the strategies and the tactics have all grown. There's many more platforms and many more ways to reach your audiences through digital marketing. And um, I've sort of just tried to stay on top of all of them so that I can apply the best strategy and tactics to whoever I'm working with. So um, you and I have very similar uh, stories here because I started off doing just social media as well. And of course, you know, as we see things change and evolve, um, you have to expand your, your, your reach and your, expand your services to help provide things for clients. Um, but how have you specifically seen that evolution happen? Um, are there certain trends that you've seen and you had that moment in your business where you were like, oh, okay, now we need to start doing X, Y, Z. Have you seen any of those big trends that you've come to mind? So I think overall, for me personally, it started with just social media because Facebook was new and they started Facebook pages. And then it was more of a focus on social media and email marketing and web development. And then how technology in general applies to all digital marketing. What I've seen as far as trends go are new platforms that have popped up over the years. And what's interesting is that you can sort of tell early on now that we've been doing what we've been doing for so long, how popular those platforms are going to be, um, not just by metrics, but just by culture and community and watching other people use these platforms. So if I've seen anything, it's definitely new platforms and sort of the obsession with those platforms that have come about. And then as a marketer, figuring out how we need to use those for the various clients that we work with. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like people are always, they're always curious, like is, you know, right now is TikTok something I should jump into. And, you know, obviously there's so many different ways to answer that question. I tend to look at first and foremost, like, is this even, whether or not it's a viable platform for you, is it where your industry should be? Like, are your customers paying attention on TikTok? Um, And I don't know, it's an interesting dynamic because you could be the first to market on TikTok in your industry, even though they're not, the customers aren't there yet, but you also could be wasting your time. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic there, but I'm curious, like, are there certain things that you tend to look for? Obviously you mentioned the obsession of like how people are using the platform, but are there other indicators that you look at of saying like, yeah, this platform might be viable or not? So most of the time, this is how I approach it. I take a look at the client and who their target audience is. So we've talked a lot about how we um, 
build a strategy from the target audience backwards. Um, and if there, I do you know, some research um, based on who I'm talking to, their industry, I tend to do a lot of B2B business to business work. Um, so some of the more consumer-based platforms are not where that person should be spending their time. So whenever I'm looking at a platform, regardless of whether the world is obsessed with it or not, I take a look at that client where their users or target audience might be hanging out and then build a strategy back from that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's always important to just focus on that, you know, the backwards thing. I, I was saying that with a client yesterday and even just around timeline, you know, it's like, we've got this strategy, but until you give me, you know, your end goal, as far as timing, then we can space things out. He was like, well, when is this going to go out? When is that? Well, what are we working towards? You know, and I think it's the same thing with strategy. It's like, ultimately what's the goal and then let's work backwards for it. So I love that you have that approach. Um, so how have you personally found yourself innovating to get your own brand's messages out um, in the past few years? Have you seen anything change with how you market your own brand? Yes, um, I definitely... So whenever I started out, I started out in just like in-person referral networking so that I could build relationships. I was brand new to the area that I was in. I was brand new to the industry. So that's all I knew to do um, was to get to know people and build relationships. In the past few years, there's now platforms and strategies and ways to do that online. Um, so I do a fair amount of staying in front of the relationships that I've already created um, while creating new ones um, through the different platforms where my audience would hang out. Um, so I try to employ the same strategies I would put in place for anyone else, for myself. Um, yeah. And then I, I put, I, I try to make it easy to get in touch with me and be responsive when people do reach out, you know, with questions or, um, you know, quick meetings and things like that to see if it's, if we should work together. Um, client selection is important. So I think those initial meetings are important, but I think something that bothers me is when people put effort into marketing, but then don't follow up when they do get outreach. So I try to be very responsive when somebody does reach out. It's interesting you say that because I, I've had many clients where, you know, it's like they really want to do marketing, but then you ask them questions around like, well, what's your process for follow-up and who's taking care of these leads or they'll run you know, an ad campaign and they get all these leads, but then they just literally let them sit in a spreadsheet and nothing is done with them. Um, it just baffles, like you, you listen to me say those words out loud and you're like, that makes no logical sense, but you'd be surprised how often, especially in a small or more local business that happens. Um, I'm sure that happens to a larger businesses as well. It just maybe is hidden a little bit more, but, um, but yeah, there's, there's some, there's some illogical things going on in the space for sure. Um, so that's why, I mean, you talked about in the beginning, how we really focus on strategy and process. And one of the questions I always ask is what is your process? Like my job as a marketer is to support sales. So do you have a sales team when, when there's a handoff, what happens? Cause there's no point in investing in marketing to have that lead then die. And I think yeah. an extension of that is not responding. Um, and some of it could be technical. Like some of it could be they filled out a form online and you don't know where that notification goes. I think paying attention to those things are really important. Well, and in digital, there's just so many simple, simple things that can be done 
to ensure that they're, you know, it's not just one person getting it or that the right inboxes are getting these or that the right people are getting the notifications. Um, there's just a lot of very simple, simple things that can make a huge difference. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of a couple clients where, you know, it's like they wanted just one person receiving a lead notification. And then when that person left, nobody's communicating over to the web team or the marketing team that that email needs to change. And then all of a sudden you have all these leads just floating out in nowhere and um, there's no checks and balances. Uh, so I think that's important too, to think through, you know, just the what if scenarios uh, to help cover your bases. Yeah, I think that's why you and I tend to be pretty valuable to the people that we're working with because we work, we've worked in both small organizations and large organizations. So we can apply some of the strategies and tactics for both to each other. Um, we know to tell a small business, hey, you don't want just one person getting notifications. It needs to go to a team because yeah. we've worked in larger organizations. And then some of the um, more personal aspects of small business can then apply to some of the larger businesses that we work with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm even thinking of like some of the, you probably get this a lot too, uh, where friends, you're out at a barbecue or you're you're talking, picking up your kids at school and somebody who has a, their own small business starts picking your brain for questions. Um, but I had a friend the other day ask me, um, he got locked out of his Facebook account. And so he can't access his like two or three, he's got two or three Facebook pages for small businesses that he has. And, um, and what immediately came to mind in my mind was, even though I'm a small business and I have a couple of admins on my page, one of those admins is my sister who does not work in marketing at all. <laughs> She's completely unrelated to things, but I've asked her to be an admin on my Facebook page in the event that something happens to me and she needs to shut down the page or she needs to transfer it to somebody else or whatever. Or, I mean, that's like a really morbid thought, like, right, if something were to happen to me that she in a different, completely different household can handle it. But it was just those thoughts that a lot of times we don't really think about the safeguards there of, do we have multiple admins on a page? I mean, a lot of people, even large companies have just very decentralized, just siloed people who have management over a page and then they leave the company and you're stuck scrambling, trying to get your accounts back. And that should never be the case. So anyways, side rant from my recent yeah, conversations. No, I agree though, but it, it brings up two, I think really important points for anyone listening. Um, one, you're talking about the front end. If someone like the main business owner ever loses access, there are secondary admins on a page, but paying attention to who's admin on your page period is important. There are people who I've, I should no longer be admin on a page that I still am yep, um, so, like paying attention to just, you know, regularly checking who your admins on your social media accounts are is important. Uh, but it also brings up for me a, a point I think that you would agree with is owning your data is important. So mm -hmm. implementing strategies that you have a contact list, have an email list that you own as the business owner versus 
building your entire business on these platforms that you don't fully have control over. I think that's an important piece um, for anyone listening to just know there are strategies that you can put in place to have more ownership over your business and your, your potential clients, your clients and your data. And I think that that's um, super important now that I think that's why app development has become so popular lately is because oh, sure. that's one way that business owners can, um, you know, own more of their business. Yeah. I mean, we've said this for years. It's not a phrase that either of us have invented, but you know, you're, you're playing in somebody else's sandbox and you're on rented space when you are building your audience on social media. And while, you know, you hear that phrase, you're like, well, shoot, that's depressing. Like maybe I shouldn't focus on social media, but at the same time, that's where your audience is. So a lot of times businesses are, are stuck in this, like, well, they've got the people I've got to be there. But at the same time, you can't put all your eggs in just the Facebook basket. Um, you know, it, they decide to shut down or they have something, you know, like a, I think it was about a year ago when they just went dark for a day, they, you know, their server was down or there was something going on and no one could get on Facebook. Like people were freaking out, you know, they're so, but it's just a good reminder that, oh yeah, we don't have control over who those people are. So if there's somewhere else that we can point them to, to where we do own the information, where we do have their email address, we could contact them regardless of other Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, regardless of whatever the social platform landscape looks like, we have the ability to do that. And I think the mix of services that you offer with clients is really great because you are focused on the big picture strategy. Yes, social media can be part of it. It's an important part of it but it's not the only piece. So I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you have that conversation with people? What are some things that you're seeing when you're having conversations, when somebody just wants to be on social media, but they really need to be thinking about the bigger picture? Sure. So again, every person comes to me with a different problem of a similar variation. They want to build an audience. They want more eyeballs on what they're doing. Um, but again, focusing on what that business type is and then who their user is, where those people are hanging out. Um, there's some that I would fully say, like you only need to be on two social media platforms and you really need to focus on SEO um, or you really need to focus on paid media on this platform. So it definitely varies by who I'm talking to and what their goals are, but also, um, again, building from the target audience back who, where are those people that we're trying to reach for this person? Um, it might be TikTok, it might be Instagram, it might be just LinkedIn, it might be Facebook. I don't know until I'm talking to them. And then the other challenge that we have, depending on the business size is, is this strategy implementable by either hiring us to be your contract and marketing department or a mixture of internal resources and us? Because um, we can set the strategies all day long, but if they're not what can be implemented for that business, then it, you know, it's kind of a wasted time. So, yeah. Well, yeah, you're taking a realistic look at, you know, what is, what resources do we have at hand, whether it's budget, manpower, technology, et cetera, that we can employ to make this strategy actually work. So, and that's a real, that's a real factor. You know, there are limitations for budget. There are limitations. Like you can't just hire 20 people to do and have this huge department all of a sudden 
you may not have the resources for that. Or in today's environment, you may not be able to find people uh, that are available right. for certain things. That's like a, you might need to be planning ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting, I mean, interesting even, dilemma right now. Even when I've experienced a client who does have the budget, um, it's part of storytelling to build something up. So let's just say you could hire 20 people it's still going to be a process to get you to where you need to be um, through the story. Um, so that's another piece that we, um, and I know you try to like weave into the processes, like what actually makes sense to this audience that we're talking to? If, yeah. if we're going to be a random business that pops up out of nowhere, what do people need to know about us right at this minute? So, um, you know, obviously we've had probably a lot of great things go well. Um, before we hit record, you were telling me about some clients that, you know, they're, it doesn't always happen this way, but they're getting leads left and right from the work that you, that you're doing for them. Um, what are some foundational things that you've seen are vital for people if they really want to go after that next marketing win? I think putting your face, um, whether it's a face of somebody who should represent the company or your face, if you're the business owner, I think you need to put more personalization behind your marketing. And I'm going to do this today. My marketing has been very, um, my team helping me list out services and things like that, but you need to pop in every once in a while and let people know that they're doing business with real people. So if you want a marketing win today, that's what I would say do is find a way to pop in as the business owner or, or have a representative show their face on your social media. I'm convicted of that myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the hesitation is like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I need to be doing that too. Um, it's hard when you get busy and you just, it's sometimes the hardest thing to do. And, um, but I've seen it too with clients. Um, are there you know, a lot of times they don't want to get out in front of camera or they're too busy doing their thing. Are there any tips you'd give for the client who might be hiring a marketing team? Like, here are some things that, that you could simply do, um, even if you've hired somebody to help with your marketing, here's some simple things you could do to get your brand and the, the people behind the brand in front of, in front of the camera. I think doing, um, and this is very basic, but just doing like employee highlight um, either photos or videos are helpful celebrating their life events. It not only speaks to your marketing, but it also speaks to your culture. And we know at this point, like culture is very important for hiring. So it sort of speaks to different ends of your business. If you can highlight people's different life events, if someone has a baby or um, went through a graduation program, there's a local um, organization here and um, a team member went through it like celebrating those wins of people's different achievements or life events, I think is important. Like finding ways to put your employees out front is going to speak um, more highly than any stock photography you can put out there. <laughs> yes. Stock photography has a place, but it's yeah. not the only type I've seen um, a shift just, you know, between like the stories phenomenon with social media and TikTok and some of these other platforms that are really looking for like they're, it's like the last minute, raw, unfiltered, unproduced types of content that people really connect with. Um, obviously, as a business, you want to put on that polished look. Um, but sometimes throwing in those 
wobbly camera photo of you at a conference with noise in the background and it's not the lighting isn't great but it's not bad but it's not perfect that kind of a thing can be really powerful and effective um just in showcasing that personality and and a lot of times we're so worried about like well it has to be pristine no like one of my new favorite quotes is um a john steinbeck quote that's now that you don't have to be perfect you can be good Mm -hmm. And that's been like the motto that keeps going through my head is like, obviously we want this to be good. We're not going to put bad content out, but we also can't wait for perfection. We have to keep moving. Um, so, so yeah, be, be willing to take that, that raw photo and put it out, even if it hasn't been photoshopped and all that fun stuff. So, I, I mean, I love that quote, um, and your point behind it, something else I think marketing teams could take more advantage of are, are scheduling content shoots for their business. That way they, they, um, even when they do want a more polished look, they're still using themselves or their people or their facility. Um, and it's just opening up your marketing doors to let people see who you are and what you do. And um, they become more familiar with you, especially if it's a physical location that they need to go into. They might feel more comfortable, especially the first time walking through a door if they've seen it online. So that would be another like quick win thing. I would tell um, anyone is to just schedule a content shoot of, um, they don't have to be like super edited. You don't have to take headshots, like just people working and doing things that they would normally do. You and I have worked on a project together where they have done this. And, um, the way that we leveraged it was in a way that, all right, we're going to have the video team, the photography team come in and we're going to get a bunch of information in one day. And we're going to drip some of it out at the immediate, but it's also content that we will be able to splice and dice and use for weeks, if not months in the future. Um, and so that speaks to this concept of batching, which I think, you know, you were hinting at, but it's so powerful when you're working in marketing is if you can get everything you can in a short little pocket of, of time from the client, then the marketing team can work behind the scenes, making it look like you've got somebody in there every week gathering new information or new stuff from you. And you as the client are just sitting there doing your thing, focusing on your specialty and your marketing team is working uh, behind the scenes, making it happen. So that batching can be really powerful and helpful, not just for the marketing team, but also for the client to feel like, okay, I'm going to be efficient with the time that I'm putting into this versus having like a weekly meeting that's taking up blocks of time. And, and people talk about batching all the time in different, you know, productivity conversations or just work style conversations. But I think it's really effective when you're working with the marketing team uh, and, and you can get in that headspace of like, oh, okay, this is, this is the marketing content that we need to gather. You get comfortable with being in front of the camera, like all that stuff that takes time. And then you can get a bunch of stuff all at once. So um, I love that you, that you touched on that a little bit. Um, have you seen batching work in any other scenarios within like some of the social media content that you're doing for people or, um, you know, just onboarding a client? How have you seen batching play out a little bit more in the work you're doing? Um, so I have a client who I do monthly, um, video and photography shoots for so that we can batch that content in one day 
for the month. And then my team takes it and curates it into different social media content. Um, so I, and then I've done that for myself, probably not as much, um, but I definitely need to do more um, just scheduling. And that's why like photography and videography has become so much more important. What I tell my clients, you and I tend to be very efficient, like efficiency is important to us. That's how we're able to operate at a high volume. That's how I can manage a high level of clients with a team in three different countries. Like we focus on efficiency. Um, So I think that just batching content is an extension of that. Um, Batching content also sort of forces you to plan content. So when we go to a content shoot, we're not just haphazardly trying to capture images and videography. We have in mind what we want to be on the output of that. So then we can get the input whenever we're there. Um, So I think that just focusing on batching content, one, makes you like forces you to think about different ideas for social media, get the input at the content shoot, then your marketing team can curate the content and have that great output. And I always tell my clients, like we're trying to have a mix of professionally curated content, but also more personal content. So like there's sort of a baseline and an algorithm that goes with social media. Um, You and I know this, I don't know that everyone knows that, but having the consistency is super important. That's for my team to do to have that consistency to help you grow. But it's also your responsibility when we say, hey, record us a video that tells a tip for whatever your business audience is. And then posting that as well. Like that is super helpful. Um, And I think that you and I pay attention to analytics whenever we're reviewing posts that work well, they tend to be those, the ones that are less curated, but very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Education. Anytime you can educate people on something, it's so powerful um, because you're subconsciously telling the viewer, Hey, I'm an expert at this. If I'm going to give you an educational tip on this, like I'm a trusted expert that you should trust. Um, People don't realize the power of that. I've had so many clients in the past kind of shy away from wanting to share stuff. because They're worried that they're going to give away their secret sauce. And the reality is these types of pieces of content could be selling to their customers while they're sleeping. You know, people could be watching your YouTube videos at 2 a.m. while you're passed out sleeping. And the next thing you know, you have a contact form filled out saying, hey, I want to do this, or that you have a purchase from an online purchase because they saw your video about XYZ, they bought your ebook or your workbook or your online course or whatever. And you didn't have to do a single thing, but you educating and giving away a little bit of information built enough trust for them to say, yeah, I'll give you my credit card information and purchase that. Um, A lot of people shy away from it. And I think educational content is one of the biggest tools that you have in your arsenal, regardless of the type of business that you are. So I'm, I'm glad that you you, t- you touched on that because that's huge. Regardless of whether they find you or somebody else, that information is already out there. They might as well find you because people end up doing business with people they know and like. And if you can yeah. get your information out there, especially with your face or team members' faces, um, they start to know and like you and then feel more comfortable doing business with you, whether it's purchasing something at two in the morning when I am definitely sleeping <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, or calling you. Well, Mylan, thank you so much. You've shared so much tactical information and practical advice for people just if they're wanting to think about like how they create their content strategy and just some tactical ways to actually get that going. 
Um, and in a way that like maybe take the, the overwhelm out of it a little bit. Um, at least that's the way my brain thinks. I hear what you're saying and I'm like, oh, it's not as complex as I'm, I'm thinking. So thank you so much for sharing all of that with uh, the listeners today. And um, if people wanna get more from you, uh, where can they go online to get more from Mylan Calvin? They can go to my website. It's um, MC mcmediadigital.com <laughs> so mcmediadigital.com great great well thanks again Mylan, for joining us today and uh we will see you in the meantime on the interwebs sounds great thanks valerie if you liked what you just heard please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. That not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one.